The following message was recorded as part of the morning worship celebration of Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church in Eatonton, Georgia. More information about the ministries, staff, and worship offerings of Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church can be found on our website at www.lopc-pca.org. We're doing a series on the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. Verses 22 through verses 23, I want to ask you to stand with me as I read the Word of God and listen intently, ask God to open your heart to His Word, that He would speak to you, that He would speak to me from His holy, infallible, inerrant Word. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but the fruit of of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And would you turn with me to the book of Acts, the 11th chapter and verses 20 through verses 26. Acts chapter 11, verses 20 through 26. And some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And the news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true in the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man. I want you to notice that phrase, a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a number of people were brought to the Lord. Chapter 9, verse 36. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas, who was always doing, notice the word, good, and helping the poor. And about that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. And since Lydia was near Joppa, so the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydia, and they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. And Peter went with them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room, and all the widows stood around him, crying and showing their their robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. And Peter sent them all out of the room, and he got down on his knees, and he prayed. And turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tapatha, get up. And her eyes, she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. And he took her by the hand and helped her to her feet, and then he called out the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa so that many people believed in the Lord. 
And Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we continue our series through the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, would you give us wisdom in these moments. Encourage your people. Father, help us to see the goodness of our God. We bless you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please be seated? When you hear the word good, what do you think of? We use expressions like, she's a good person. He's a good player. These cookies are good. I hope they have a good team. Uh, They attend a good church. Uh, Often we use that term to refer to something that we like or something that is above average. Many of us as children learned that simple little prayer, God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for our food. What do we mean that God is good? Well, this morning as we continue our series through the fruit of the Spirit, one of the nine virtues that's listed there in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23 is the word good as referring to a fruit of the Spirit. Now remember that the fruit of the Spirit The word fruit there is not plural. It's not fruits of the Spirit. It is the fruit of the Spirit. So it is a packaged fruit basket. In other words, if you're a Christian, you have some of all nine of those virtues within you because the Holy Spirit lives within you. And because God is good, as a Christian, that should be one of the characteristics that is so evident in your life and in my life. Now, the Greek word that's used there in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 is the word agathuse, which means that God is, is good. And in its passage, it has various contexts of how it can be defined. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is the word tov. But if you couldn't speak Hebrew, they translated it into Greek. And that's called the Septuagint. And you may have a footnote in your Bible that will say something like LXX, which is the abbreviation for the Septuagint, which is the Old Testament translation of Greek. In other words, if you knew Greek in the New Testament, you could go to the Old Testament and you could understand more of the meanings of the words. So the word that's used there is the word agathusene. Now, if you'll look with me to the book of Genesis, I want you to see the first place. And we're going to be looking at several passages of Scripture this morning. So turn with me, first of all, to the book of Genesis. You'll see the first time the word good is used. We'll do a little, little history lesson for you. God had created things. And in verse 4, and the Lord God said, chapter 1, Genesis, verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was, here's the first time it's ever used in the Bible, 
It was good. It was good. Notice chapter 1, verse 10. And God called the dry land, land, and gathered the waters of the seas, and God saw that it was good. Verse 12. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kind, and bearing fruit with the seed in it according to their kinds, and God saw it was good. Verse 18, 17. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give them light on the earth to govern the day by night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw it was good. Verse 21. So God created the creatures of the sea and every living um, and moving thing in which the water teems according to their kinds, every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw it was good. Verse 25, same thing. Verse 31, same thing. Now, what is the meaning of this word good? Because at this point, remember, there was no evil. Evil doesn't come into play until chapter 3 when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. What does it mean that God said, this is good? Well, I think what it means is this. That God had established something that was beyond the ordinary and it was doing what God had functioned for it to do. Now you have to understand the meaning of that definition from the context of which it's given. But if you'll turn to chapter 2, here we have the introduction of sin. Chapter 2 and verses 15 and following. Everything at this point is perfect. Everything is beautiful. There's not a weed in all the earth. There's not a thorn on the thorn bush. Everything is wonderful until we get to chapter 2 in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. Now, this work was not laborious at this point. It was very enjoyable. And, And verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man and said, you are to free to eat from any tree in this garden. There were many trees in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and, notice the next word, evil. First place that's mentioned. So here we have the first reference in all the Bible of goodness in contrast to evil. Because in chapter 1, there was not this evil. So in chapter 2, there is this evil. And here we see that now goodness is in contrast to evil. So the definition of good is that it is beyond evil. It is better than evil. If you'll turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 33 and verse 19. God is about once again to give Moses the Ten Commandments for the second time. Remember the first time he uh, received the commandments on two tablets and he was coming down the mountainside and he saw the idolatrous party that was going on among the Israelites and he threw the uh, tablets down and they broke. And now in chapter 34... God's going to reissue those tablets to Moses and to Israel. But before he does this, in chapter 33, he distinguishes who he is. 
He wants Israel to know who it is that is giving them this commandments. And so if you will notice with me in chapter 33 and verse 19, we read these words. God is saying this. And the Lord God said, I will cause my, notice the word, goodness. Goodness. Exodus thirty-three nineteen, Goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. I find it interesting that God introduces himself to Moses and the people of Israel and says, if you want to know my name, I will describe it with the adjective goodness. Goodness. I'm a good God. Now, time does not permit us this morning to look in depth at all the other passages where we see this word, good, goodness, that are used. But let me give you one that will be familiar to you. And that is the book of Psalms, the 23rd and verse 6. For the psalmist is there, is describing the blessing of God. And this is what he says. For surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is the goodness that he's talking about? Remember, I said this word often has to be defined by the context to which it's given. And in that context, he's talking about the blessings of God. So in essence, what I'm saying is this. God himself is very good. God also blesses his people, which is very good. And God creates things that are very good. But what does this mean now when we go to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, when he speaks of the fruit of the Spirit and he says, Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. He's talking to Christian people here, and he's saying, if you have Christ in your life, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is reigning in your life, directing your thoughts, directing your actions. One of the fruit will be goodness. It will be manifested. Now, let me show you two examples from Scripture, if I may. If you'll turn with me to the book of Acts. Chapter 4 and verse 32 and following. I want to introduce you to a man by the name of Barnabas. And we're going to look at a few passages in his his life. We're going to look at Acts chapter 4 and then Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 11. But in chapter 4, particularly in verses 32 and following, God was doing some wonderful things in the early church. There were people there who were poor, they were needy, and God established a biblical social security system. Let me show you how it worked. 
Verse 32. And all the believers were of one heart and one mind. And no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had and with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And much grace was on them. You could see the Lord's hand at work. And there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the money and the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Now notice the next verse. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. What did he do? He sold a field he owned. And he brought the money to the apostles' feet. Here was a businessman. He owned property. And he saw poor people who couldn't feed themselves. And he said, we need to be able to take care of one another. And so many people sold their possessions at their own willingness. They were not forced to in any way. And they took those proceeds and they brought them to the feet of the apostles. And the apostles took that money and they gave it away. Here was a man that was not attached to material possessions. He's called a good man. Now, let me continue this story, if I may, and pick up with me, if you would, in chapter 9 of the book of Acts. Particularly in verses 26 and following. Because in chapter 9, there's a great transition that takes place in the book of Acts. Because there's a man by the name of Saul who is converted and changes his name to Paul. This is a man that wrote much of the New Testament. He was hated by the Jews. He murdered Jews. He threw Jews in prison who came to faith in Christ. He had a reputation that preceded him. And now in chapter 9, this man is totally changed. He's now become a Christian. And now he wants to come into the church and minister. Now, let me just tell you, between Acts chapter 9, there's about three years of change that takes place that the book of Acts doesn't tell you about because we know that Galatians tells us that Paul was away for some three years studying on the backside of the desert. And so now he comes back into Jerusalem. His reputation is still there of being a murderer. People are wondering, has he really changed? I don't want to be the guy to go find out. Ananias was scared of him because the Lord had to speak to him and say, Look, this guy, Paul, is now a Christian. I want you to go put your hands on him and, 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 and pray for him and baptize him. And he said, Lord, you, you really want me to go do that? I'd rather somebody else go do that. This guy's got a reputation. And now in chapter 9, in verses 26, And when he came to Jerusalem... He tried to join the disciples. This is talking about Paul. He wanted to fit into the church. But they were afraid of him. Not believing that he really was a disciple. In verse 27. But Barnabas. Barnabas. He took him. And he brought him to the apostles. 
And he told them how Saul on the journey had seen the Lord and the Lord had spoken to him and how the the Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus and Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And he talked and debated with the Grecian Jews and they tried to kill him. But when the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Hallelujah for the Barnabases. Here was a guy who reached out to a guy who wasn't going to be accepted in the church and said, I believe he's truly regenerate. He has been changed, man. And we need to reach out and extend to him the right hand of fellowship. And when he did, he began to preach. And God called him on a mission to the Gentiles. And ladies and gentlemen, I am firmly convinced that's part of your Christian heritage this morning. Right there. A man like Barnabas. God used him. He's the guy that came along and said, Paul, let me encourage you. Let me stand with you. I want to ask you a question. Do you have a Barnabas in your life? Someone that stands with you. Someone that's going to encourage you. Someone who is, who is right by your side that prays for you. That will call you on the phone and just say, how you doing? I do. And I thank God for him every day. He doesn't live near me, but he knows my phone number. And he prays for me. And there have been times that I would be so down and so discouraged, I'd hear that telephone ring. And I'd pick it up. I'd say, Richard, God bless you, brother. You just don't know. You know? You got somebody like that in your life? Somebody that just encourages you? Somebody, when, when, when you see them, you just light up. I want to tell you something. People like Barnabas have no lack of friends because people love them. Because the world so depresses us and puts us down. Uh, let me show you one other snapshot of his life before we move on. Acts chapter 11 and verses 20 and following. The church is being persecuted. They're scattered. They're going everywhere. There is fierce opposition to the message. And uh, verse 20, some of them, however, men of Cyprus, serene, went down to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks and telling them the good news of the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them. I want you to underline that in your Bible because those little verses we often overlook. God's hand, you know, God was blessing these people in spite of their persecution. And, and a great number, not a few, but a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So there's churches that are being formed out there. People are getting saved. They're getting converted. Now the question is, what are we going to do with them? How are we going to disciple them? How are we going to bring them up in their faith? How are we going to teach them the things of God? We can't just leave them out there. God is at work. Let's go where God's at work. You know what they do? Next verse. The news, verse 22, reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they said, who could we send to go down there? Barnabas. Let's send Barnabas. He's the man with the plan. 
verse 23, when he arrived and he saw the evidence of the grace of God, people were getting saved. People were being discipled. People were excited. Revival. He was glad. And what does he do? Encourages them. Remember his name? Barnabas, son of encouragement. And verse 24 tells you what kind of man he was. A good man. Same word that's used in Galatians 5, verse 22. Agathos. A good man. A man with the character of God. A man above all others. A good man. And a great, notice verse 24, full of the Holy Spirit and faith and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And Barnabas took, went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And he found him. Remember Saul? The murderer? The guy that got converted? He went to him and said, look, I need you over here to help me in this ministry. Can you come help us? The same guy that the church was rejecting, Barnabas reached out and said, I want you. I got to have you. Will you come? And he found him and he brought him to where? Antioch. Difficult place. And what did they do? For a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were first called Christians. Wow. He said, I need you to come over here and let's disciple these people. And for the next year of your life, this is what we're going to do. We're going to meet with these people. We're going to nurture them. We're going to encourage them. We're going to pray for them. We're going to teach them the things of God. And I need you, I need you, Saul, Paul, to come and be part of my ministry team. God used him. That's Barnabas, a good man. Well, you know what? They heard about churches that were running out of money. Had some financial needs. And notice verse 28. A prophet came by the name of Agabus and he stood up with the spirit and predicted a severe famine. This happened during the reign of Claudius. And the disciples, according to his ability, decide to provide for the brothers living in Judea. We're going to stretch out and give our gifts to other people who are not as fortunate as we are. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why we believe in missions here at this church. That's why we have people like Hernando and Debbie. We're giving to people who cannot do what they could do unless we did it. And notice what he says here. Verse 29. He decided to provide help for the brothers living in, in Judea question is, how are we going to get this to them? Verse 29. And they did, and they sent their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. You know why they sent it by Barnabas and Saul? He was a trustworthy man. They knew it would arrive. Remember, this is the guy in Acts chapter 4 that had the piece of property, which would put him probably in the, the wealthy area bracket and said you sold it you gave it you you owned it it didn't own you and, and now we've seen that and we've seen this change in your life and and now now we want you to take this gift this money that we've taken that we've sacrificed and we trust you to get it there 
trust. Here it is. Here's a good man. Here's a good man who's trustworthy. He delivers it. I'll touch on the next example very quickly. It's a female. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. Her name's Tabitha. She also goes by the nickname Dorcas. And notice verse 36. Who was always doing, notice the word, good. Good. And helping the poor. That's what good Christian people do. They look for opportunities to serve. They look for opportunities to minister. They understand that it's not about them. It's about what God has gifted them to do in the body of Christ. And and this lady happened to be a seamstress. And she spent her time making apparel. And in doing so, she would give it away. And she was dearly loved by what she did. And she died. And people mourned and they wept. And they knew that Peter was a few miles down the road. And they said, Peter, can you come? Notice they don't ask Peter to come heal her or to raise her up. They just want you there. Come, give us some comfort. We're grieving over this lady who we've lost, that we've loved so much. Peter comes. Peter is available to the call of God in his life. And so he comes And he takes everybody out of the room and says, we're going to have a private prayer meeting here. And he gets down on his knees and he puts his hands probably upon this woman. And he says, God, raise her up. Can you imagine what it must have been like when Peter walked out of that room escorting Dorcas? I don't think they cheered and applauded because now the seamstress is back in business. They saw the hand of God. They saw a good woman that they loved that they could enjoy more and more time with. That's the beauty that Paul's talking about here in Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to be real personal for a moment, if I may. This past week has probably been the hardest week of my life. Some of you know that A week ago, Tuesday, last Tuesday, my mother went to be with the Lord. After 10 years of struggling with Alzheimer's, losing my dad 14 months ago to dementia, my mother having Alzheimer's, living three and a half hours away from us, we were pleased to see God bring a closure to this for her because she's with the Lord. And I'm thankful. I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for the resurrection, ladies and gentlemen. That's what it's all about. But Friday, as I stood at her funeral, and I looked at her casket, and I stretched my hand down there to hold her hand one more time, I thought of the ministry that she had had through her life. Here's a woman that wrote Christian articles for magazines that was published. Here's a woman who discipled and led to Christ women and young girls 
who for many, many years in her life taught adult Sunday school. Some of them showed up at the funeral on Friday. Here's a woman who loved to disciple and read the Bible and the scriptures. And one of the greatest treasures I have is owning her Bible. And to read the quotes and the underlines and the messages and the notes and the all things that she was going through in her life. Now, here's a woman that, that um, even before she died and we started paying her bills, dozens and dozens and dozens of Christian organizations would send us material saying, can you continue to support us? And I'm thinking, my goodness, she gave away so much. I'm not here to brag on her. But to simply tell you this, People like that, God uses in ways that we will never, ever know. Never know. And as I look at Galatians chapter 5 and I look at that word goodness, I ask myself and I ask you this question. Is that a characteristic of me? When people come to my funeral, whenever that's going to be, and God only knows... Are they going to say, here's a man that was good, good, good for the sake of Christ. Please understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying putting on a a new suit of morals makes you a Christian. That's not it at all. I'm talking about the fruit of salvation, not the root of salvation. The root of salvation is Jesus Christ alone, period. Not works. But the fruit of that is this. Evidence that there is life. And one of those evidences is goodness. It's goodness. But God continue to encourage us as the people of God. To be people that the world looks at and says. What gracious, good, honoring people. God has given. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving it to us. Thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. Father, I pray for any that may be here this morning who truly don't have a personal relationship with you. Someone that may be here this morning that's thinking simply going to church gets them to heaven or living a good life gets them to heaven. Father, show them it is only by grace, through faith, not a result of works, lest anyone should ever boast. And I pray, Father, for that person sitting here this morning within the sound of my voice that's never heard that before, that today would be the day of salvation, simply by saying, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you as my Savior Come into my life. Forgive me. I yield it to you, and I thank you. And, Father, I pray for those that have prayed that prayer many, many years ago. Father, maybe we've become slack in our perseverance. We are not manifesting the fruit of the Spirit as we could. We have become complacent. God, stir our hearts. 
Stir our hearts to a community that needs our goodness, Christ's goodness on our behalf. We bless you. We thank you. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen.